What's the ITK? The ITK means you're in the know. Oh, in the know. Once you know, once you know what tennis is about, you really know. And I'm going to tell you, every, every year, I have somebody say to me, that's what's, that's why they're quiet in a tennis match? Or that, that's, that's right. I mean, that's, I, I mean, it's, it's, we, we have to delve deeper and it, it gets boring sometimes, but it's like, we were just talking about watching a documentary. People are like, Oh, you're the documentary person. All I do is watch documentaries. I know you're, wait, 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 wait. Just, I don't think, I don't think it's boring if we present it right. I mean, anything is boring. You could, you could make, so we launched a rocket to Mars and we just landed it. No, that still sounds cool, though. Well, okay. <laughs> all right, yeah. give okay. me a different. All right. <laughs> all right, I'll give you a different. Wait, because uh, no, then you're like, wait, wait, what'd you just say? And Because that, that sounds like you're downplaying. Well, you know what's okay. really funny about that, though? Let's just have a quick 30-second okay. sidebar on that. Here's why I like Elon Musk. Does this include Musk. any sort of self-promotion? No, zero. To your podcast or your band or anything else? No? Okay. I could tie it together. Though. I'm sure there's a way to do it. I just, I just got it. So Elon Musk. You no, have, I remember. Oh, God. You, don't tell me you're in love. You have a bromance with Elon Musk. No, I just think it's funny okay. when he says things. So we're going to be uh, creating a company that is going to be called SpaceX. That's what we're doing. Everyone's yeah. like, no, you're not. And then five years later, he's doing it. Everyone's like, uh, but you know, nobody ever says, I'm sorry. That's the thing, right? All these naysayers. But that's are, human nature. I know, but people call people out. You could talk to somebody about stopping their smoking habit for 15 years, <laughs> and they stop, and suddenly they go, man, I have so much more energy, and I feel better, and I can walk up the stairs now, and I can da-da-da-da, and you're like, and you've been talking to them for 15 years about doing it, and they're just like, you're just like. I know, at that point, I've probably taken up smoking. <laughs> <laughs> are, are you going to thank me? No, I mean, so, but you know, I part of it, can I, so I think part of the reason that he does that though, I can tell you it having under, having gone and done some projects, large projects myself, not on the, that scale is that, um, you do it because, um, you want to hold yourself accountable. You don't want to overstate it in case it doesn't come to fruition. Okay but you don't want to not state it. Do you under, right? but do you understate it because when you're doing a business venture, you also don't want to take a lot of flack along the way because the thing is, is when you're doing something any 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 project from scratch as you probably know, there's a lot there can be you're doing things from scratch oftentimes, you're cutting new paths, you're finding new resources, you're doing things and then along the way you're you're interacting with people to provide those resources that can oftentimes look at you and say, why do you want to do that? Or that's stupid. Remember I gave you the example of Steve jobs sitting there saying, I want to make this piece of glass. I'm going to call it the phone. Right. And people were like, he'd go to the manufacturers and the manufacturers were like, why do you, why does it have to go to the edge? I don't understand why I don't understand why does it have it that's it's just going to increase its breakability and it's going to cause problems and he you know he, he sat the back and he was and like, they just kept saying it can't be done right and to the point where he bought his own machines <laughs> no no he bought his own machines think about that he had to go to the extent to buy his own machines and keep doing it because he couldn't find somebody at Apple computer and Apple when they were doing this was still Apple computer, even though they had taken a backslide, 
they were still an Apple computer. This was a huge organization with lots of right. Money. It wasn't like they had a track. Re- they didn't have a. It track wasn't like Wayne and Garth in their basement trying to figure out how to paste together a phone with some duct tape. Okay, right, it was right. it was a well resourced company that had a vision for doing something, and they approached serious manufacturers who do this, and they were told, you know, why, why, why. So I think. Somebody like that does something like that. There's a lot. And this is great because this ties into what I want to talk about with nutrition. And I don't want to get away from what you Mm want to talk about nutrition either. But no, but I would say that I I just want to keep I want to throw that idea out there that there are these headwinds that are out there. No, no, and I think that that, but hold on. But because, you know, I'm a creative person that the difference between a and I will say the business is also creative. It's just a different different tools. I I still think anytime you're creating something, creating something, just a different way to create. Correct. But the difference is when you're creating art, you're cooler. <laughs> Sorry, you are ripe for that. You're cooler. I'm creating art, not business. Business is boring and dorky and stupid. I'm creating cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. You don't have to tell me that. That's not. That's. I don't think I was right for anything. You just oh, spoke the truth, look my at friend. That. I just heard hey, the mic hold drop on, a on second. that one. Hold what? on. I just heard the mic drop on that there one. Go. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. We all know that. Yeah. He said it didn't take me forty-five minutes to come to the conclusion, my friend. No, Call banana phone. Go ahead. So you were saying. What I was saying was that not only are we cooler when we create music. Uh-huh. Um, we can, the barriers that we may have can be different from business barriers because you're knocking on doors and you have to convince people to set, give away their money and back this financially. You also then, and even if you have the money, and I think jobs is a great uh, great point that you made, does it mean you're, okay, you got the money, great, you got Ten billion dollars, but everyone's saying no. We're not going to do that. Like nobody picks up the torch with you and says, "Okay, I'll run run with this." At least I'll give it a try. No, I know. So so (laughs) think it though. But think of that. That those are major obstacles. And how many times have there's been a business? And this does go into nutrition, where they've been three years ahead of the curve, and then all of a sudden the exact business comes out with a different name, Spotify, and you're. Just to make sure everybody's on the same page, you and I have had conversations about this offline, or actually we did it in a recorded episode, I think, where we talked about how, like, how did the radio stations blow this one? How did they blow this one? We they, never saw it coming. They had markets. <laughs> they, they had markets. They had audience. They had everything. I mean, dude, go find a 16-year-old in the basement with a MacBook Pro. They could have coded up your app for you and launched it for like if t- 10 grand. You could have given the guy 10, 20 grand. That would have set him up for life. You would have thought he was a Ferrari owner. And you could have had it. And you could have said, like in Chicago, we have the, the classic rock station was WLUP. The right? loop. The loop. And you could have easily have gone out and said, hey, this is the loop app. And then all it would take is your sales representatives to turn on a dime. And instead of going and pitching airtime at your radio station, pitch the time. I don't understand. How did that? This goes, know, hold on, but this goes right into well, that's the nutrition. that fixed mindset too. But, but right, here yeah. we go. Right. Why is it so hard for companies to change? Slash, why is it so difficult 
for people to change. Okay, so hold on. This is a great segment. Thank you for teeing that up. You did it on accident, which is awesome. Okay. Here comes so, the pitch. <clears throat> so, <laughs> all right, so I'm going I'm to play this. It's an excerpt from a, a diet documentary called Diet Fiction. And um, I think this goes right into that. Uh, so let's take a listen. For many people, the family doctor is seen as the best resource for information on diet and nutrition. People rely on their advice without realizing that most doctors are not trained in this field. On average, U.S. medical schools offer only 19.6 hours of nutrition education across four years of medical school. And in a 2016 study, researchers from Ohio found that most medical programs in the state averaged only 2.8 hours of instruction on obesity, nutrition, and physical activity. It's a very bad approach doctors have to obesity because uh, what usually happens is that uh, when you are obese your blood pressure might be a little too high your cholesterol might be too high your blood glycose might be too high and before you know it you are in treatment with at least three different drugs which of course impacts on your quality of life you know so often when someone's got high blood pressure high cholesterol high blood sugar and they say doctor how long do i have to take these drugs that you prescribe the doctor usually says forever uh, sometimes when i lecture i'll show a cartoon of doctors busily mopping up the floor around the sink that's overflowing it's like how long do i have to mop up the floor like forever like well, why don't we just turn off the faucet and to a much larger degree than we once realized the faucet of the diet and lifestyle choices that we make each day and how quickly they can affect us for better and for worse being overweight has become normal in america that has become expected it's become ordinary particularly i think in the united states and i've noticed something about doctors in recent years they don't talk about it with their patients much anymore because they don't think it's going to work to talk to people about it they don't want to offend people eating a diet full of saturated fat and um, animal protein and dairy all of that is so indoctrinated in our culture it's very difficult to get people to understand how bad that stuff is for you it's very difficult including the doctors remember they're just human so i was watching a number of documentaries that describe the benefit of a whole food plant-based diet some of those documentaries mention you know it can reverse heart disease you know i'm like well i've been cardiologist for a long time I it can reverse heart disease. I, I would like to do that. I want to do that since I was young. That's really one of my motivations to like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this myself. I didn't have heart disease, but I'm still going to try it myself. I lost a lot of weight after I tried that, you know. So I think it's kind of amazing that as a practicing cardiologist, that I had to watch a documentary to figure out one of the most important things in preventing and reversing heart disease is diet. Unfortunately, most physicians don't know much about nutrition. And when I was in medical school, uh, I, we got one lecture for 20 minutes by a pediatric specialist who said, basically, go to McDonald's, you get everything you need. And we all looked at each other like, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. It was obvious to us. And unfortunately, I think most physicians aren't very well trained. They don't eat well themselves. And the level of education that you get as far as nutrition in general in medical school is minimal. And then whole food, plant-based nutrition is nil. didn't exist when I went to medical school. In conventional medicine, 
we're just putting more and more people on medication. That's the treatment that we have to offer. And it's so limited and it's so depressing. Um, and to see the empowerment of just changing the food that you're eating and the positive impact that it can make was amazing. And for me, that's what I went into medicine to do, to really help people. And I saw that this was the way that I was going to do it. So in school, I actually went to school to become a dietitian. And there's definitely a discrepancy between what I know now and what I was learning in school. Um, none of this was covered in our classes. They don't talk about the benefits of a plant-based diet. They are too busy focusing on making sure people are consuming dairy and animal products and make sure you get your protein. I mean, we learned that eating fruits and vegetables is good for you, but there was no focus on making sure you get tons of fruits and vegetables and whole grains into your diet. I think they are controlled by what the government tells them they can say. Um, the government is who designs the dietary guidelines, and that's what our curriculum is based on. The more I, I learn about how diet and lifestyle changes can, can have amazing effects on, on your body and your health, uh, the more I learn about how much control institutions and, um, and industry has on not only food production and distribution, but my education and my professors and, and the research that they are able to do. But they have a lot of control over ultimately whether or not I get a degree and, and whether I become a registered dietitian. And, and given this, um, I, I'm not really comfortable talking about about all this control that they have publicly yet, you know, until I graduate. And I don't even want to associate myself too strongly with people that do speak about it publicly. They persecute people um, because there's a lot to be lost. There's a lot of money to be lost. The, the whole system thrives on people filling their pockets and not disrupting the paradigm because the paradigm's been bought out. When it comes to nutritionists and, and registered dietitians, they're often taught tactics that are about 30 to 40 years old. And they're taught an old school version of nutrition that simply isn't true any longer. A lot of them are sort of taught information that's influenced by the dairy industry or influenced by the meat industry. And as a result of that, they're told that when your client presents with this issue, then teach them to eat more yogurt or teach them to eat more meat because that's the solution to their problem. Now you hear about calls that there should be more nutrition education in medical education, right? Doctors need to learn about nutrition. But if that information is coming from the National Dairy Council, Maybe it's good that the doctors aren't taught anything about nutrition, right? I mean, one really needs to look at the sources of this information. I can get free continuing education units that's sponsored by the National Beef Council or the National Dairy, Dairy Industry, and it's free. I mean, like, it costs a lot of money to get continuing education. The Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, are, if you look at their sponsorship, it's purely food industry. If you go to the expo at, the, at their annual event, you know, they've got Coca-Cola and dairy industry and McDonald's. This is a dietetics conference. So we are taught by food industry what to recommend to our clients, and that is wrong. Let's suppose all those patients went home and ate whole food plant-based diet. What would be the economic effect? <laughs> you know, it would, it would bankrupt the hospitals. Bypass is going away. Stents are going away. Diabetes is going away. Cancer is less. If everyone got healthier, I had less to do. I would say, man, I did a good job. You know, I wouldn't be disappointed. You just have to realize that why are not more doctors or hospitals or pharmaceutical companies or 
promoting this is not in their economic interest. It's a big business. All of these these industries, and they're in it to make money, and that's exactly what they're doing. But we're getting it done at the expense of the people. Wow, so, that, that's just a kind of boring short clip with not a lot of I'm sorry I'll yeah. try to do better hey was that time. Truman Capote in there <laughs> <laughs> the one doctor was like um, it's with the nutrition and you can't do that it sounds like Truman Capote no 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 famous no. author what did Truman Capote write quick quick oh, pop God. quiz I oh I'm, bla- I'm I'm trying to think of this doctor's name that was in there so I could cite it and now I'm crisscrossing in uh, cold blood okay yeah that's yeah, such a great that's a great story so oh wait, hold on hold on I have so you can't play things for me like this. Well, you should. I don't my, see you writing down. I, I don't. I'm just so astounded. Like, are you too cool for school? You don't write. No, I remember. Oh, okay. That, Go ahead. That people don't know this. Like I've been. What do you mean people don't that, know? There's know what? Be specific. This what? Any the the entire audio clip that someone doesn't know this. Like I've known this for. Well, okay, it's a, it's, let's, that a nutritional seminar has McDonald's there. That's insanity. Well, they, they, that a they doctor, have them, a heart, a heart sponsoring it. Yeah, they shouldn't be sponsoring anything. Right. <laughs> right. Stop. Yeah. No, the answer is no. Right. Right. That's you know what that is. That's going to an Alcoholic Anonymous meeting and having Budweiser sponsor it. That doesn't make any sense. Well, but you know how it happens, right? I mean, you have it's a called, conference in a major city and you want to have money. a major hotel. And you have major bills to pay. And there's your funding space. And they X, sit there right? and they say, Oh Apple. We would love to be your platinum sponsor at a hundred thousand dollars. We'll just cut you a check as long as we can put our name up everywhere. And they go, I mean, <laughs> it's the age old it's the age old band question. To bring it back to tennis rockers. Are you ready? Doesn't everything come back to tennis rock? Right. It is. It is. Man, are you selling out? <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, uh, they wrote that song just so they could sell out to radio. <laughs> but that. And everybody's old- like, dude, it's a good song. It's still a good song. Come on. You know? They used to rock so hard, and now they did that ballad. You know, oh, okay, so they can't do any variety. They can't do anything. They just got to do that thing. And I'm not defending I'm not defending sponsorships of dietetic but conferences isn't that, but, but by on, major corporations. I'm, I'm, gonna interrupt, I'm interrupting yeah. you Does, because right. I'm, I, yeah. this is what we've been talking about. This is mixed messaging. And what happens is when you... Wait, you, what is mixed messaging? Be specific. I thought we were. McDonald's is sponsoring a health seminar. So it's mixed messaging to the dietitians. To whoever's there. It well, doesn't the, matter. The average public's sure. not at a dietetic sure. conference. I mean, let's be. But, yeah. but it's an example that anything that's a mixed message. Ready? Not I don't. I would go so far as to say it's not just mixed messaging. I would say that it's overwhelming messaging. And there's no yes. counter messaging. Correct. So when you sit there and you say to me, I can't believe people don't know this. I'm like, actually, I can because there's so much existing messaging that's out there that's in the favor of this other stuff and not this and not this message. This message is relegated to a documentary that's tucked away, even though Prime Video is a major provider of on-demand service. 
It doesn't matter. It's tucked away. You have to actively go out. It's not featured on the page. You have to actively go out and find this information. I, I, I get all that. It's what, not in the news media either. I get all that. What well, I'm then why are you surprised? I, no, I'm not. Meaning I'm surprised that people are not more active, but I don't want to focus on the surprise. Now, I've, but I've moved on. You oh, you've moved on. You okay. missed it. Right. So I'm surprised. Okay. One, but I'm surprised and not surprised okay. because it's a lot of work to do that and it gets old after a while. And, and can I just say, that's what we're talking about too, is bringing this to the attention of the tennis club as a source, right? Yes. And yes. having nutrition classes. I just don't want to get away from that. No, we're, we're, we're on it. We're on okay. it. But the mixed messaging would be, that's, uh, so think of that. You have nutritionists that are going to the seminar on how to tell your clients and propagate a healthy lifestyle and you see the golden archers everywhere they're loving it and that's a heavy mixed message so you if you have that kind of mixed messaging across the board everywhere i don't know like a sporting event i don't think snow cones and chiricha uh, uh churros and beer and soft pretzels and ice cream cups and all and popcorn. Is that what the guys in the field? It's not what the guys in the field can be eating. (laughs) That's for sure. Well, they may have it at times, but that's not the primary base of their diets. But there's a mixed message. Hey, I'm watching an elite athlete who makes millions of dollars, who trains six days a week at the highest pinnacle level, and I'm sitting here eating a soft pretzel and a beer. Nothing speaks elite athlete. So can I just say, can I just say a couple things about that? I think that's and that's really telltale about the human condition. But I also think that it is very telltale about the power that of of spending money and advertising has on people. That you the fact that you can overwhelm people's common sense. People's common sense at that point would be like, wait a second, hold on. I'm sitting watching a professional sporting event here (laughs) and they're feeding, their only thing they're selling here is trash. I I don't, aren't, isn't the, by virtue of the very nature of me being a fan of this thing, meaning that I myself should be kind of replicating that lifestyle myself. And if so, what does that mean? Uh, that should mean that I shouldn't be eating this stuff that they're pu- selling here. I should be eating, you know, but you could probably, you could probably, if you brought, I brought dude, I brought, uh, I went to the labor cup and my kids, we brought, we brought in, we had avocado loser. They took it away. They confiscated it. Well, you know what could happen? Are you insane? Do you know what that does to your body? <laughs> no, you could, no, I you could become an elite athlete. Dude, Put that away. I'm serious. We went to the Labor Cup when it was hosted here in Chicago, and we brought food because we wanted healthy options. Stop! Stop! Stand back! Drop the avocados <laughs> now, sir! You drop the avocados. They took now. away our avocados, our apple. They took away all of our food because it, wait, yeah, you brought. I brought apples you too. Brought apples. I know. I know they didn't set off the metal detectors though, which was a good thing. Well, no, but they had probably had the apple. De- no, but they, <laughs> they looked. The apple through, no, they looked through our bag. They looked through our bag and they made us leave all of it there. This is at a major arena in the Chicago area. They made us leave it there because that's in direct contradiction with their economic interests. How many people are really bringing avocados and apples to to to, to something like the Labor Cup? Okay, so we have a battle here. The battle is between... Economic- but wait, I have to say this. Let me just give you two quick examples. Go. Just really quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the same thing that's happening with doctors getting pelted by big pharma people 
who come in and regularly buy them food and take them on trips and try to buy them, take them to dinners and all this other stuff. What are they doing? They're saying a healthy lifestyle can be led by your patients if they just pop our pills. They're not saying, hey, how are your patients doing? Oh, they're on high, they're on high blood pressure medication. You know, have you been talking to them about exercising more? They're not doing that. They're sitting there saying, well, you know, we have a new pill that's out. Or if you up the dosage, good news, we can see that they that they get their blood pressure under control. So that's one good example. And then another example, and these are anecdotal, obviously, but, you know, I, was, I told you this, and I probably mentioned it when I went into a doctor to have physical for life insurance, you know, I had said to her, and she was a recent grad, this is going back about five years, but she was a recent grad of a major medical university on the East Coast. And I said to her, you haven't asked me a thing about my diet. And she's like, what's wrong with your diet? And I said, well, what do you mean? You haven't asked me like what I eat. And she was like, well, what do you eat? And I said, well, wait a second. If I told you that I ate McDonald's every day, you wouldn't have a problem with that. And she goes, no. And I said, well, what do you mean? The effect on my body. And she's like, do, wouldn't you think that that would have a big effect on my body? That's what I said literally. And she looks at me and she goes, no. Do you know what I think that is though? I think it's a lot of things. I think they go with the major factors as far as age, sex, mm -hmm. and then like, well, doesn't matter what he eats, he'll probably tap out about here, we'll make this much money from him, regardless of his, I think their, di their diet's irrelevant because they don't care. I think it's education. I think that those docs, because I, I have a best friend who's a doctor, and every time we talk, it drives me a little crazy because he will always cite a study. It always has to be study-based. And I understand they're scientists and it has to be a study. But I think there's not enough studies done on the effects of nutrition and disease. I, I just, and quality of life. I think there's just not enough of that. Does he do? Peer-reviewed journals. He's a general medicine specialist. No, I, I know. But does he, what he preaches to his... He does, but in, does in, he was, do the same thing that he preaches to? So, his. so, 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 so this was interesting because right in here, um, one of the doctors says, and I think, uh, well, I'm not sure. I don't want to. I think it's Dr. Peter Bregan, but these were all physicians and dietitians that they interviewed in this segment. But it, he says that that the doctors don't want to talk about it because they don't want to make people people feel uncomfortable. And they, um, and they, they, and, and these are some of the things that I've flushed out from my best friend that are basically like, they're not going to follow it anyway. He's, a, he is a strict, he's very strict on his diet. I mean, really, he's nuts. I mean, he, he's, he's, he was vegan for a long lacto ovo ego for a long time. Now he's, because he's realized there's protein deficiencies in it that he, he's reintroduced that stuff. But the point is, is that he has kind of given up in some ways, just like the documentary says, you know, he's kind of like, so, they're on. not going to try. They're not going to listen. They don't want to hear it. They're going to get offended. I'm just going to. So he does his it. thing. And then he toes the, the line yeah. on with his patients of, well, just do this pill and do this. Well, no, I mean, he, I think he does try in his best, not his best. I think he tries a little bit. I think he tries to sit there and say, Hey, um, 
you know, you're, you're overweight here and this is a real problem. And, and they're like, yeah, 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 doc, what do I need to do? You know? And he's like, okay. And he doesn't push it further than that. Like, I think you and I would be like, no, no, you don't understand. I can't work <laughs> if to borrow your tennis thing. Yeah. You'd probably be like, if you were a doctor, you'd be like, you don't understand. I can't work with you. I can't continue to work with you if you are not going to, but he would never go to that extent. Never. And I think there's a lot of docs that won't do that because they're under incredible financial pressure. He has to see his patient every seven minutes, every seven minutes. He's got to see somebody that's, that's the way it goes. Right. And that's, that's because that's the, the money pressures that they've been put under. And listen, we, we don't, we this is not intended to get into a big conspiracy thing and a, and a whole thingy thingy thing here. We really want to get we, but, but, and I, I'm sorry to have interrupted you that the point though is no, that- you answered my question. And, and I think the one thing that alarming in the, I was losing my mind on the clip was the doctor that was saying he had a, well, I'm, I'm a heart specialist and I'd like, I had a letter from a This doctor. is a guy who's done like probably over a thousand <laughs> cardiatric, cardiatric procedures, right? So he watches a random <laughs> documentary and then he's like, I think I'll try that. And in the document, <laughs> it's interesting. Well, he watched a series of documentaries and in the documentary they show, cause I just played the audio clip for you. Didn't give you the video. They showed him walking. He created a massive garden in his backyard and then he's walking among the fields. Now he's still overweight, but he didn't have, he says he, Oh, so he have, was an overweight cardiologist. Yeah. Right. And he was actually in his scrubs when he was walking his garden field. Well, they wanted to really make sure that he was a doctor. <laughs> right, wanted, right, right. You know, again, ready? We right. have to, we have to really make sure this is what a doctor looks like. So everybody well, the, there's that, but then there's also people who will sit there and say, "Yeah, maybe he's not." You know. So, but but, but, but I I thought that that was illuminating. Yeah, because, but I <clears throat> go ahead. Stop. Fat cardiologist doesn't work. McDonald's at a nutritional thing churros and nachos and beer at a sporting event. I, and again, people are like, oh, you're so naive, Sully. I understand that money makes the world go around. I'm not, I'm not an idiot. But if that kind of assault is going to be happening, that mixed messaging is happening, we need to have a counterattack. And that needs to happen at the club level. And this is what I agree with you on. This is why I was like, oh no, not another nutrition. Because what happens, everyone's like, yeah, I know the nutrition thing. And unless you're really into it, because I think it gets old. It gets old being told you need to exercise. I get it. But the real issue here is that I don't think this is about nutrition. This is about a counterattack on the mixed messaging that we're sending about what's nutrition. And I have a better way. Am to, I wrong here? No, I have a better way to put it because I think counterattack makes it sound like we're being these crazy aggressive people. And I, I, the way I would, the way I would say it is, is that right now, okay, there is a, the message is tilted too far to one side. The message is tilted. And the message is basically you can eat any of the foods we make and we sell and you'll be just fine. And when things don't go your way, just don't eat as much like the soda companies bringing the size of the soda down, <laughs> even though, right. They're in they're They have a real problem because they've sold this forever and a day is this way. And now they, you know, the tides are turning, but so, so the thing is the messaging and that's the purpose of the nutrition classes at the tennis club is that we're getting to an audience to say, Hey, look, 
and we're getting to young kids, especially young kids. Cause I mean, think about it. Your kid, if your kid is watching cartoons, which my kids have watched some of these cartoons and they are seeing these fast food commercial messages, breakfast cereals that are filled with sugar and oils and salts and all this chemicals and colorings and things like that. And your kid is seeing that five, six, seven days a week, they're watching this, right? And they're getting these messages and they're all these messages. And then they come, they've got no counter message. What's the counter message? Maybe they're in the store and they say, mommy, can I have that box of sugary cereal? Can I have the?" And she says, no. Or she says, yeah. Or he says, the dad says, yeah, that's fine. You can have it. There's no real counter message to that. There's nothing that's just out there. And nobody's sitting there saying, hey, wait a second. Like I provide a counter message with my kids. Like my kids, we were walking down this, this, the, the aisle, the cereal aisle the other day, yesterday. And my kids look and they say, look, dad. It's all the chemical cereal. And I said, yeah, that's right. Sold with chemicals, right? So I've been giving that counter message. And they're like, and they had said it in front of somebody and they had gotten kind of a negative reaction from it. And they were like, they, they were reading the situation. You know what I mean? Because now you're making somebody feel bad about their choices. Right? Because they're going to grab the sugar pops. Or, well, yeah, well, and they're like, shut up, what do you know, kid? Right. And so, but what I'm saying is think about that five, six, seven days a week, nobody is counter messaging this. Nobody is sitting there saying, read the label, take a look. It says, you know, they, they even play games with the label, you know, because they play like, because the thing you, the way to read the label is the first thing you have to read is the serving portion. Is this, is this calorie, is this sugar, protein, carbohydrate mix a result of you know, one serving or two servings and how big is that? <laughs> right? So what they'll do to make, keep their numbers down is they'll say, this is a half serving to keep their numbers down, to keep their sugars and, and carbohydrate numbers low and fat numbers low. They'll say it's a half serving, a half serving. So who's going to eat that? A rabbit? Like that's not going to happen. Like a half serving is a half cup, a half a cup of this most people are going to eat at least a cup to a two cups of this. So you could pretty much double or triple or quadruple that, that those portions that you're seeing relative to the sugar, fat, and salt. Okay. You just, that's just a reality. So that's the first thing you have to be aware of. Can, and can, can, we can. have to provide that counter messaging because the thing is your kids getting pelted with it. And I, I, I know I always talk about the juniors, but I think that's the place to get to people. And this, if they went to a nutrition class once a week and they got kind of a counter message, wouldn't that help at least rebalance the scale? Wouldn't that be somewhat fair? It, it, hold on. Isn't this the insanity of our world? We're making kids learn about the French Revolution, but we don't have anything at a younger age where we're actually giving the facts that actually impact them. The French Revolution doesn't impact our kids. What they eat on a daily basis and how we set them up for future success does. And I think with counter messaging, I don't tell my kids they can't have it because I want it sometimes, I get it. But when you, I'll say to them, can I have this, can I have this cookie? <clears throat> yeah, of course you can. 
but you know it's nutrition. You say it's net. It's nutrition negative. I always say it's. You know that's that's not real food. Is but what I'll say. Yeah, and, I'll and say they're both are true. The nutrition negative because it's taking up space for nutritional good foods, and it's also what what you were just saying. I say it's net nutrition uh, nut zero nutrition zero. Right. It's, it's that's nutritional zero is what I'll say. And they're like, I know. So I was like, go for it. I, I know I'm trying to make them feel guilty. Yeah. Because. I'll have a cookie in front of them also, or a piece of cake. It's my birthday. I'll have a piece of cake. Yeah. I'm not saying don't, but what they're, but if I never said that and there's never a counter message, my fear is that they're going to think this is just, I could have this every single, I'm, it's, I mean, you've normalized it. That's the problem. It becomes normalized. And so uh, let me give you an example. So my kids are before COVID, my kids are in a cafeteria you know, going to school and having lunch with all these other kids. And they sit there and <clears throat> they crack open their lunch bag and the other kids crack open their lunch bag. And what do you think's in there, right? So there's a sandwich like most kids, but then what's the accompaniment? What's what's there with it? You know, it's the chips and it's the cookies and it's the whatever. And my kids have been, my kids have been counter-messaged. Like, you know, those I can't say the brand, but the chocolatey cookies, <laughs> whatever. Why can't you the say way, the brand? I just don't want, you didn't listen to this, but there's the possibility that food companies can come after you. <laughs> so you have to be very, very careful. There's certain food laws for, in certain for states. For talking the truth. <laughs> well, you could sit there until you have to pay the lawyer bill <laughs> and then you could laugh all you want. No, You've paid laughing. lawyer bills. So I know, I know. You, yeah. But anyway, can you imagine... If at lunchtime there was a nutritionist that came by, not a dairy nutritionist, but a nutritionist nutritionist that was about plant-based food and stood there in the cafeteria during their lunch hour, right when they were eating and talked to them about healthy choices. And then they came home. This is like, you know what this is like? It's like... <clears throat> It's like when the, when the parents get pissed off at the liberal teachers, because the teachers talk about democracy and they talk about civil rights and they talk about this and then they come home and the parents are like, they're, they're like, the kids are like, well, dad, did you know that all this happened in his? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that happened, but, uh, but whatever, let's not talk or, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Boy, that's school. Once again, here we go. And you know, it's a whole thing because it inconveniences people to some degree. Right. So can you imagine? And the kid comes home now and the kid says, you know, at lunchtime we were talked to uh, by, a, I don't know what they call it, somebody, somebody, and they said we should be eating more plant-based foods and we should whatever. And they're like, and the parents, can you imagine the response? Well, but What's they, the response going to be? Well, they're being called out. And I then, guess they're being made to feel bad. The parents, I guess. Is right. And they're, and I've, <laughs> I can't get into it, but I think that nutrition is so important and what I'll do, I just don't spout things off to my kids. I will show, and I will tell them, I listen to multiple doctors that I follow, I read about it. It's not just, oh, I heard one thing. Right, I, I, and I, this I, is gospel. Right, right. no, and, and I'm constantly like researching it. And it, interesting, so my daughter was asking me about sugar and because it was my it was my birthday last week, and she had made me a cake, and she's like, "You're gonna eat it?" I was like, "Dude, I was like, I, fabulous! I'm gonna eat like three pieces of this because <laughs> it's it was made with love, 
and she and she was like, you know, Dad, I put I put black candles on it for you. I was like, oh, it's great. And <laughs> it was awesome, right? And she goes, you're not worried about it? And I said, listen, I'm not trying to give you a food complex. Happy birthday to you. Thank you. Happy birthday I, I reached, to you. I reached you 50. smell like a shoe. Happy birthday to you. I, I actually do. <laughs> that's my, I actually do. That's, that's actually right on the money. And sometimes I smell like a monkey. And I look like one too. So she was like, you're, you're, you're okay. I was concerned you weren't going to eat it. And I said, of course I'm going to eat it. I said, I love cake. It's the best. Especially with coffee. Mmm, delicious. And I said, listen, I'm not trying to give you a food complex. I said, what I want you to do is think about what you put in your mouth and that cake isn't one of the food groups that I would recommend for long-term health on a regular basis. So there's this podcast, which is actually a promotional podcast for a company called Precision Nutrition. What I liked about the podcast is, so we're listening to this together last week and they talked about Mm -hmm. natural sugars uh, existing in food then versus you know added uh, sugars and how your body processes and this is Bryce from Precision Nutrition and today we're going to talk about sugar all the pros and cons and the real facts and they go through all the effects on your body without saying good or bad but what they keep saying in all the episodes now if, if you choose to eat sugar if you choose to eat dairy, if you, if you have to say, if you choose, if you if you choose to be a smoker, you should know the risks. If you choose to take these pills, and well, it I, is a choice. Ah, it is a choice, but the way it is touted is, and they're not saying it's bad. They're saying based on your body type, blah 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 blah. This could happen and your genetic makeup, but sugar does do this to you, to everybody, just in different sh- ways. And what I wanted her, and, and I learned some stuff from it also, because I'm always trying to learn. I got that will to know, right? The effect it has is the same on everybody as far as the effect. The level of the effect is different. So some people will say, well, I'm not gluten intolerant. You're right. Your digestive system and your body might not react as vilely as mine, but it's still inflammatory, right? We're not denying what it does. It's just the effects on you are, are, are milder. You have milder symptoms of what I'm getting. So people that have the, and I would argue in a weird way, having a food allergy or something that really sets you off in a, in a weird way, having rheumatoid arthritis has helped me really get my act together Yeah, because I've had to pay attention. Absolutely. And and if I make that choice, okay, I'm going to have the cake. I'm going to feel it in my joints and my hands. There is no doubt about it. If I'm going to have, you know, processed cheese versus real cheese and I make that decision, I'm going to feel it and I might get congested. You might, whatever it may be, whatever that effect is going to be, but then I'm in control. You know, it's funny. It strikes me when you say that you're going to feel it. It strikes me that um, I think a lot of these um, food effects could be, it could be very helpful for um, a, a, just to have a class on food effects 
right? The effects of food and how to recognize the signs of those effects of food. Because I think that we are not skilled at all in, in food effects. So that's precision nutrition does that this podcast. So this, this company's great. And, mm -hmm. and they break down like what, your liver does with this, what your, what's going on in the gut biome with that. Yeah. But also just, okay, that's very good and scientific, but also just some signs that ordinary people no, can, they do all that. can recognize they too. Like, <clears throat> geez, I'm feeling really tired. And then they can trace back. Well, what did you eat? Well, I ate a, I ate a quarter pound of hamburger you know, I ate, I, and I had fries and I had all this other stuff. Well, your body is trying to digest all that stuff. And it's, you know, and I just had this discussion. I think I mentioned the last one, but I had this discussion. I started to have the discussion with my sons about how when you're on the tennis court, you have to moderate your food intake. Right. And we, we talked about that a little bit that you don't see somebody eating a turkey sandwich <laughs> in the middle of a match. And there's a reason that they don't do that because they don't want it to affect their performance because at that moment they need to give it their all. They need energy and they need to be refueled, but they also need to give it their all. Why aren't we as people, um, why aren't we teaching people how to do that in regular life? Why does it have to, it doesn't have to come down to an extreme sporting event where a $2 million check is on the line. It could just be your health is on your health is on the line, and so that, you don't right. know it. Maybe you and know? that and that's how I try to try to think of it is long, long term. What is the long term like the slow damage that's happening over time? And I'm not kidding. Like my goal is to live to 100. That's my goal, and keep moving the way I'm moving now. That's my goal. Well, I think. Wait, I have to say this. I think when you just said the word damage. I think you called attention to something that's a real issue. And I think people don't want to feel uncomfortable about that. You know, it's a very uncomfortable thing. Once you have an addiction, whether it's a food addiction, alcohol addiction, a substance abuse addiction, cigarettes, whatever it is, you, it's very uncomfortable to be thinking about the damage. <clears throat> it's very uncomfortable because it's like, wow, this could mean that my lungs are fried. This could mean that my liver's gone. This could mean, and there's no coming back, right? I mean, that's a pretty heavy thing to be thinking about. And so people like to moderate that in the way that they say it. And so they'll say, this could lead to problems, right? And we have to focus our discussion around that. And we, so we have to focus on it from a stopping, a preventing with somebody who's already been doing it for years, but also the tennis nutrition class is to educate and provide a counter message to those kids that they can, they can hear something else so that they can make to borrow your analogy, they can make the right choice so that they know, because the, the problem is, <clears throat> and I have this conversation with my wife all the time. I, it's my minor epiphany, but I'm like, if all you do is go to the same store all the time, this is the analogy to the counter messaging. If all you do is go to the same grocery store all the time, let's say you go to a popular chain that doesn't have a real healthy section, right? It's just a big popular chain, right? And you go and all you do is go there and you say, well, I would like this. It's another alternative. And you go along the shelves and there is no alternative. 
that has a stevia in it, or it doesn't have colors or added extra added sugars or oils. There's no alternatives. There's no, there's none of this stuff. If all you do is keep going to that grocery store and that's all that's there, you think that's all that's there. So then you have no choice. You just pick that and you go, oh, well, you know, it's kind of like the devil's bargain. Well, you know, I'll just take this. It's crackers. It's got oils and colors, but you know, oh, well, but if you say, you know what, I'm going to, it's a counter message. I'm going to go to whole foods and I'm going to see what they have. I'm going to go online. And I'm going to see if there's somebody else who's selling it. Maybe there's nobody in where you live, but there's somebody, uh, a company that's got an online store that's selling this stuff. Well, now all of a sudden you're getting a, you, you're finding your own counter message. But in order to do that, there's a hurdle. There's all these hurdles. Well, that's finding that. the documentary buried, buried on Amazon Prime. That's me finding mm. Precision Nutrition completely randomly right. through thousands and thousands of podcasts. Right. Right, but most people don't have the time. Not that I have the time, but I was just searching around as I was exercising. Like, oh, I'm going to try to figure out something. But I mean, think about that. You just said something that is the epitome of the problem. And you said most people don't have time. So it's almost like, you know, I don't want to paint the picture of companies so much, but it's pretty well known that people don't have time. They don't have time to sit there and investigate this stuff and educate themselves. They just don't. So if you are offering a... Oh, a, dude, a, Smarticles button. Hold on, if, hit the Smarticles button. Uh, I think it's this one. No. Ah, How do you God, mess that up? You know what? Because I got a lot of going on in my head. I'm trying to do this at the same... You know, and I, The engineer is not here today. And So if they don't have a lot of time, we could have in the tennis club, we recommend this... We have a board documentary of the month yeah podcast yeah. of the month you, you, right. you know which podcast that's gonna be <laughs> tennis rockets baby <laughs> yeah. right, how amazing would that be if we had a giant poster in every single tennis club with 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 my cool. picture on it right because i'm i'm the handsome one right it's rough it's rough yeah but think of that that's there's a prime opportunity to counter message no i think and, i think a board I think a board with like, you know, recipe of the month, www.rtennisclub.com slash healthy recipes or whatever, right? The documentary of the month, the book to read of the month, the, I, I don't even know, the exercise, the exercise routine of the month that, you know what I mean? This like, like five, six things and just put it up there. You wouldn't even need a nutrition class. I mean, although we're talking about nutrition classes, so I got to be careful here because I want to have that. But the point is, like, that would be amazing in and of itself because then people could walk by it every day and go, oh, I think I should check that out. Look at that. But Diet at least there's a counter, message, a counter message. Yeah. Because if McDonald's <clears throat> is willing to throw a knowing, knowing that what they're selling is bad at a, nutri <laughs> at a nutritionist seminar... And they get away with it, and nobody bats an eye, but we won't put up an apple picture, or you can't bring avocados in because it's going to be a, oh my God, we're going to lose revenue from you buying, you know, the, the garbage food. That's insane. Like, it, it doesn't make any sense. No, actually, it makes total sense. If you, if you always money talks, cause money talks. <clears throat> well, if you always go at it from the perspective of 
uh, economics. If, if, if that's the store you're always shopping in, the store I'm always shopping in is the economic store. It either sells or it doesn't sell. This sell, but, but peel it back. Why does it sell? It sells because it's been promoted, because it's easy, because it's filling, right? At some level, this stuff is, that, that's why it sells. It's, it's harder to get your own produce and clean it up and chop it and do all this other stuff and to prep it. So they've taken away the hard. They've made it easy. Um, it doesn't always feel as filling when you eat just some vegetables, right? And so they've they've made it a little more filling by adding a lot more carbohydrates, right? And it, and it tastes better. And yeah, and and it's 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 like, do I want to have a strawberry or do I want to have strawberry flavored jam? <clears throat> right? I mean, it's pretty obvious what you're going to have. At the end of the day, it that's not strawberry. That's not a real strawberry. Actually, it is, and that's the way a real strawberry tastes. You know what I mean? But but it's like, well, that's not really strawberry. Strawberry, like I get super strawberry, right? And and I have to, and I counter message with my kids all the time. And I'm not listen. I'm not some grass skirt guy who's like, you know, oh, let's do all this. Let's do. It. I I just have conversations with my kids, and <clears throat> my kids ask me questions. My kids are like, you know, you know. And they're, they're developing, I am developing their perspective on this whole thing, you know, and, and that's part of, so we you know, need counter messaging at home. We need counter messaging at the tennis club, all tennis clubs, because you have an audience. You, the reason why we want to have this counter messaging is we've got an audience of people who regularly come. You've got little ones who come into classes and they're the perfect age, age four, you know, three or four, all the way up to, you know, it they're teenagers and have that, have that counter messaging and it's going to offend some people. It's going to piss some people off. It's going to some parents, you know what I mean? It's going to, there's no question. It's not going to make, it's not going to make friends, but at the other time, it kind of reinforces your values, your value set. And I got to tell you, I mean, I don't know if you had nutrition classes in college. I did. I had it. They, they forced you to take a couple nutrition classes and I still, I took like two, I had to take two. And one, and they were both with physicians, local physicians. And I feel totally, I remember those like yesterday, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because they stood out and it was like, they're making you, they're making you do that. And I remember some high school stuff too, where there were films that they played and stuff like that. There were some counter messages that were out there, you know, and we just don't have enough of them anymore. And it, and I think that there's been a real effort on the part of companies to manage that message on the education front to make sure there are fewer and fewer of those messages or to make sure their messages are predominant. They dominate the, the space. My, my oldest fiercely fabulous. And she said, Oh, can I, can, Edit. can, can we do, can I do my own? I said, sure. What, what would you do? She, she said, Oh, I want to do something called nutrition blunders. And I said, why? She said, well, I have to write a persuasive speech on whether or not the school should be serving chocolate milk. As if the chocolate milk is bad to regular milk. <laughs> and I said, and she goes, I want to interview you. I said, you do not want to interview me. Right. <laughs> Definitely not. Cause I have right. very strong opinions about this. <laughs> 
And we had this huge conversation and I said, no, I don't, I think the school shouldn't be selling anything or having anything other than fruits, vegetables, and water at school. That's it. Right. And she said to me, I disagree. I think now she's in fifth grade, fourth grade, going into fifth grade, fourth grade, into fifth grade and says, you know what we should do, dad, we should have one week where we talk about what this particular food does to you. She, this is all her. This is based on, this is why this reminded me of it. This is a few weeks ago. And then we should sell it. That thing. So we say all the facts about milk and chocolate milk. And then we have up on the cafeteria your two options. So people have to make a choice, but they were given, she didn't say counter messaging, but they were given the facts. So then they actually have to, to make a decision with that counter message in the back of their head saying, this is bad. And she swayed me. I was like, you're right. Absolutely. I said, I agree with you on this actually, because what it does is teaches willpower then. That's where we really came. Oh, up. I think she's right. I just think the other thing we, it reminded me of what we have to be careful of the word facts, because the, the reality is, is that a lot of facts have been either omitted or colored over. Right. So to sit there and say, you know what I mean? Like, <clears throat> okay. If, if you drink this product, it will accelerate your, um, it'll accelerate your liver response and it will cause all these adverse effects. So it will cause all these adverse effects to your liver. Now, the, the first thing is, is a fact would, they would sit there and say, wait a second, you can't state that's a fact. Do you have studies that prove that it accelerates your liver? Do you have, do you have studies that, that say it accelerates your insulin response? Do you have studies on that? And are those peer reviewed? So then you cannot include that in the facts. Well, but it it's pretty obvious that this is what it does. It doesn't matter. That is not peer reviewed and that is not scientific and it should not be included in the facts. The facts are it is a liquid. Yes, it's a liquid. That's also a liquid. Okay. The facts are it's brown. Okay. The facts are that that's clear. Okay. One's water, one's chocolate milk. Right. And it's like, and then you start to get into it. Well, you know, and then, and then what they'll do to distort the facts further is they'll say, well, is that tap water? Well, that, you know, our drink is boiled and pasteurized to prevent bacteria from entering into it. Is the tap water? No, it's not. Right. And they'll sit there and they'll say, they'll distort it. Right. So they'll sit there and they'll say, well, but our product contains protein. Does yours? No, it does not. Our product contains calcium. Does yours? No, it does not. Clearly, the facts are on our side. Our product is superior to your right. And and this is this is what I'm talking about the distortion, the the the, the distortion for economic benefit. It's not. I think we have to when we talk about facts. I think, and that's the point in the nutrition class too, is we have to <clears throat> first ethically address what what are our goals here. Is, is the goal to promote commerce or is the goal to promote health? If the goal is to truly uncover what would be best for our health and public welfare, then, then the inclusion of certain facts 
that while they're not scientifically proven should be included. Like it accelerates, you accelerate your liver or your insulin response. Can I, can I, can I, I know I'm putting everybody to sleep. No, Time no, to no. I everybody. just, I had really, I just, you just bummed me out, man. And I'm going to tell you why. Oh, I'm sorry. Other than playing the game of tennis, I don't know what stance tennis is taking other than commerce. The way, the way you just said, I have no clue what it, other than, what are we trying to say with tennis? Hit it. Hit the deep, deep, deep. Yeah, yeah. No, not that one. I, I, no, you know, I meant to hit. You're cut off. Dude, you I, are, no, no, stop. No. I meant to hit I'm that a, one and my I fat fingered it. I, what is, as a club owner, as a facility, as a park district, as anything, what? Are, what is your stance? What are you about? What what? They're about fun. One two three, easy. Come on, we've talked about this. I I know, but it's it's not. Like, it's got to be deeper than that. Is it about connection with people? Is it about like we want this to be your clubhouse and really meet people? Is it is it about mobility? Is it about exercise? Is it about nutrition? Is it about what what is it about turning people onto a game? But okay, why do you want them to play tennis? Ask. I want every facility owner or, or, or club, whoever's managing it, to ask themselves, what are you about? What is your mission? You know what their and, mission is? I don't know. No, I, to I don't, pay their bills. You, you don't need <laughs> to but, pay their bills. You don't need to be negative about it. I'm not I just, being negative. I, I, want, I just want people to sit down and then say, and actually think about it. Dude, what are if you, you about? take a position like that, if you take a position like that, you risk alienating people and you risk your revenue but you can take one angle which i is what agree you see, which i'm you just said i agree right? i'm just saying you risk your revenue well what are we trying to say in tennis what what is tennis what are we doing what do you mean it's a game you have fun you go and you play you you start out as a kid and you work your way up and you play and you you have fun that's it nothing more and you and I are here saying it's way deeper than that because it's a sport. And clearly it's way beyond that because you have whole industries that have sprouted up around tennis, you know, tennis supply companies, tennis companies that supply rackets and shoes. And they, and, and there's these big sporting events called grand slams where they pay people big money to be, and they people attend and there's television and there's all this stuff that sprouted up around it. But yet we come back to the club level and suddenly it gets reduced yeah, but, down. But to, even at the majors, do the majors ever talk about the benefits of tennis? Zero. Zero. Nobody talks about in the in, in the commercials and the advertising about the benefits for arthritis sufferers of playing tennis. For the right, for the movement of it. Oh, I have arthritis, it's so hard to move. I know, but unfortunately, the recipe for arthritis is moving. So the less you move because it hurts, you're making yourself worse. Have you thought about playing tennis? Arthritis sufferers, move, come to tennis. We'll help you. Anything, anything, right? What, we don't do any of that. People watch the Super Bowl to watch commercials <laughs> about selling that's, more. Well, that's because tennis has been able to sort of limp along. It had a huge popularity in the 60s, 70s, and even early 80s. And then it's just been in the decline for the last 40 years. 
and it's been able to limp along and do okay. But then there's a lot of recriminations on a lot of these fronts. Like, I don't understand why it's not better. I don't understand because there's really no concerted effort to take a stand on something. I think that would be, you would not risk alienating people on that, in that front. I mean, on the nutrition front, you could risk alienating people, but if you're talking about no, 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 you, sufferers, no, you would not, you would not risk anybody. Listen, it's, this is simple. Ready? Do you play a lot of tennis? Here's, here's, a, here's, a, here's a little thing you have up in, the, up in the in the club. It's just a big picture of a banana. Potassium. Slash hungry. Bananas. Never wrong. That's it. Done. One, one picture. Just bring a banana. And guess what? Have the bananas at the front desk. Right. You know what? Here's one. Uh, so I got a better one for you. You take that banana, and if you can somehow make the connection of... You know, you make you could make a comparison like bag of cookies or snack bar, better yet, the, you know, whatever, energy bar, right, or banana. And then you energy bar or banana, question mark. And then underneath it, uh, you know, you put a banana has, a banana has this much more, provides this much more energy and this many more benefits of health, healthy benefits to your body after consuming it than that snack bar. That's it. Because everybody gets a snack bar when they go. <laughs> They've got a, Everybody's got a bag full of snack bars because it's easy, right? And literally- Well, you know what I'll say? This is- That's the counter messaging. I, I, you know, if no, you don't want to have a nutrition class, you don't want to ever pay a hundred bucks and have a little campaign that's put up that's right there. And I get it because <clears> if you forget your bar, it's not the mushy banana in the bottom of your bag that you put your hand in and you're like, oh no, I forgot about it. Or what's that smell? You ever find that apple that your kid left in the car three weeks ago? <laughs> you're like, what is this? Yeah, but sell a banana for a buck at a club. You could make a fortune. At one buck a banana. Only if they buy it and <clears throat> it has a shelf life. Really what we're coming down is shelf life. And we are going with things that have long-term shelf life for convenience and for being cheap. And that, again, ready? And that all causes micro damage over time. And at some point, the wheels are going to come off. And it just depends on how bad they're going to come off. Okay, we know that. But the, the thing I want to, I, I, I really think we should draw back on is the counter messaging, which is what are we going to do? We've given some examples of counter messaging, right? So we've given the example of the, you said the whiteboard, which could be like- Re Recommending a documentary <clears throat> or a podcast. You said having a recipe up there, benefits of certain foods for the sport as you're playing it. A class- Recovery one, foods that'll make yeah, you feel better. Or recovery foods. <clears throat> and then having- You a, could have a, you could have a roller- or a, a rolling exercise that you do to reduce your, or to help your myofascial tissue recover. You could, you know what I mean? Like, oh, you we, could, see, we didn't even talk about that, right? <clears throat> well, because we're focused mostly on nutrition. But, at but, this point, ro but rolling, if no, someone's not rolling, if that's just roll, <clears throat> please get a roller and just do it. <clears throat> right. Seriously. But, it's right. But the, so we could have a, po we could also have you set a poster where we could have, but see the thing, the club is going to be like, well, so I got to pay for this. I got to pay for the poster of selling bananas, but I'm not really selling bananas, you know, or whatever I understand. But then the nutrition class, the point is, is to provide a class where you take a stand and maybe, maybe that is the way that people rally around your club is that, you know, 
they, I don't play a ton of tennis. I do like to tell you tennis. I played tennis as a kid, but you know, this club is just so good about the nutrition thing. You know, they've always got, they've got a, they've got something they posted on Facebook. They've got a tweet. They've got a whatever. They're just so good about that. And it's so cool. I mean, I don't, I don't know. You know, they, they have, they have classes periodically that I go to. They had a guest, they had a guest book, an author come and speak an author on a nutrition book speak. I mean, my other business, I was going to have, um, I actually had this, um, one of the doctors who's featured in the documentary come and talk to some of my clients because I was going to pay him. I had to pay him and I bought his books and I was giving away his books at the seminar because I wanted to do some goodness. It had nothing to do with what I did for a business, but I wanted to do this because I knew that it would benefit my clientele and I thought it would create goodwill and it's a loss for me. But at the same time, I was like, this is a good thing. I'm doing a good thing. And the doc was like, yeah, this is great. You know what I mean? People who sit on their butts all day and that he wrote a book called how not to die. And it's a pretty cool book. And I was like, I really, really like this guy. And I've watched his life. I've listened to him. Who is it? I gotta think about his name. I, I it's escaping me. I, I was. You gotta to put be, that in the notes because that's see. I love that. Yeah, it's how not to die. Yeah, it's called how not to die. It's a really. He's just a. He's just a really good. Can, can, I know we got to wrap up, but yeah. I want to point. You just said something, and if we always think, and you said, well, it, it, it would be. It was going to be a loss to me, but I believed in it. So right. If you're going to weigh it with the financial, then yeah. basically nobody should risk anything. Because you can't guarantee that something's going to be successful. Right. Right? No, but so, I looked at it as good, fostering good. No, way. no, but that's not my point. Yeah. <laughs> my, my point is, if everything is looked at from, well, I could, I could lose something here. You're, pl- you're teaching a sport <laughs> where you win and lose every single point. So wouldn't the point be in your club or facility that you do have a point of view yeah. that you are willing to risk something because when you're out there playing, you can't guarantee that you're going to win all the time. There has to be this mentality of this is what we believe. And yes, initially there may be a loss. I always tell my students too, sometimes in a match, you have to lose points on purpose to, to change your opponent's mindset. I'm going to go down the line on this. And, and I, but, but that's low percentage. Just do it. But I'm going to miss it. Just keep doing it. And then eventually what will happen is the other player will get so conditioned that they think you're going to go down the line. Now switch it. Right? It's like Rocky. It's like Rocky where yeah. you think he's down and he's getting all the punches. And then he all of a sudden he's the other guy's exhausted. And now he's back. Right? But you it, give us a, a false sense. Yeah, false sense of security or a false sense of knowing what's going to happen. Right. But when you take a stance and don't say, is it going to be a loss? Just do it. But you have to do it consistently. See, I would. And then what will happen is because of your stance, you can't do something once or twice and say it didn't work because you have to give it time for groundswell. So as a business person, this is what I would say. I would say you have to talk about it as a loss. And you have to acknowledge that right from the get-go. Because if you do, then people are okay with it to some degree. And you say it's like a lost leader. It's like selling bananas at 
10 cents or 20 cents a pound, right? It's a lost leader in order to get people in the store. And then once they're in the store, they're going to buy more. They're going to spend time there. And that's a time-tested strategy that's used in retail businesses where they have a lost leader. I mean, that's the whole point of Black Friday or was years ago was get people in with these incredible deals, but it's all on stuff that is low margin anyway. And it's a reason to get people in the store. And while they're there, they're going to invest more. They're going to buy more at your store. And it works, it works well for consumer behavior. So the point I was trying to say is acknowledge that it's going to be a loss and be okay with that. But then it's a loss financially, but it could be a win for in other ways. It could be a win in building your brand. It could be a win in building goodwill in the community. And you have to, at some point as a business person, put a value on that. The problem is if you are always looking at things transactionally, like I buy this and it gets me that, you're not really uncovering some of the true sources of potential revenue, which are you have to put a value on goodwill and taking a stand and building your brand. Because once you have that, then, I mean, companies do it all the time when they talk about valuation of brands. Their brands are intangible. That's an intangible thing, but they also put a tangible value on it. And once you put a tangible value on something like that, then all of a sudden people look and they go, huh, I guess that does. Yeah. It doesn't have a direct relationship of I, I bought this, I sold it, I got this money. It has an indirect viral marketing that, relationship. That, that's my problem with tennis. I don't know what our brand is. I know what my brand is in tennis. I know my, my, what I'm trying to get out of tennis. I don't know what tennis is trying to get out of tennis. I don't see that marketing. Did you just punch the microphone? I don't. <laughs> Boom. I don't, I don't, no, I hold on a second. Exit. Hey, tennis. I, tennis, wake up. I, 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 I don't know either. I, I mean, I think that that's one of the biggest reasons I started tennis rockers and I wanted to do this was because I just felt like nothing has changed since I was a kid and I've been astounded at that. I'm an astounded because I'm like, I've been in this sport for a long time and nothing has changed, man. I mean, you can sit there and say, well, we have the slams and we have rackets and rackets have changed and you know, blah, blah, no, blah. No, but I think what you're saying is it feels like window dressing. Yeah. It, it doesn't feel like there's been an actual shift in the core of growth, heart, growth heart of, of tennis. It hasn't growth. It hasn't grown up. Right. We, we just keep changing the clothes. We keep changing the faces. Right. But it's not, it's, it is. I mean, I just saw this documentary really quickly on NCAA sports, and I will feature some of that in another podcast that we did. But, you know, this guy was a football player at USC, and he basically did this whole documentary. And he's talking about the fact that college sports are a boon. And the reason that they're such a boon is the labor is nothing, and the profits are huge. So the labor is free, it's a scholarship, which they don't have to pay for. And the profits are incredible because they still sell tickets like NFL does. They still sell swag. They still sell everything, but they, and they get television time too. Right. And they have a huge fan base, but they don't have to pay a dime. They don't have to pay a dime. So the point I'm just trying to make is that like, I think that you're right. It, we need to take a stand and, and say, okay, this is what we believe in. And nutrition could be one of the things that, that tennis is ripe for taking a stand on. It's just a question of how do we want to approach it? What demographic do we want to approach and be okay with, you know, spending some money on that, you know, and, but saying that that's going to, that's going to re-energize the base. That's going to draw people in that would be kind of thinking about tennis. But that's a whole, but that's what college sports has. 
they have hundreds of years of a base of students that went there. So you initially reach out to them. Right. Go Badgers, right? right. That's, oh, I went to Wisconsin. I'm a, I'm a Badger fan, right? And then you keep, but then all of a sudden there are people that, and we talked about this earlier where, yeah. So it's developing an identity. So what's going to yes. happen in this progression is that we talk about what tennis stands for and that talking leads to an identity that gets developed. And then that identity is then it, you belong to that identity. You, you as a tennis player are part of that identity. And when you, when you have that identity, obviously you feel a certain way. It represents a certain thing to other people and you feel good about yourself. So the nutritional aspect of the let's again, I said like, let's not talk about weight loss for food or nutrition. I just want to talk about what food does, right? And how it's exactly what I wanted to talk about and how it helps yourself as a tennis player. That is an aspect of the identity. So what are the other aspects of the tennis identity? And I think that that should be another episode as far as what is the identity of tennis? What does tennis mean? What does it mean to you as a coach? What does it mean to you as a player? What does it mean to you as a manager and a facility operator? What, and I'll give you, I want to end on this because I work for a park district tennis club. The park district has line items that are meant to lose money, meaning they're not looking to make money. So they will do a Halloween event or a Christmas event or something during the year that's specifically geared towards families. That's it. If it breaks even, great. But it's not designed to make money because the park district, which is why I like working for park district, is family oriented. It is about the family. It is about having opportunity to explore different interests when you're younger or older and have access to that. Yet and, they still have to make money. And they do that. If they don't, they would shut it down. Ah, right. I just want to be real to people who are listening. Like, well, that's pie in the sky. No, no, no. I no, run no. a club. But, but they, right. They have, I just said it. They have some line items. Yeah. And they have other ones that need to make money. Yeah. But the line items are there. We need some line items on, in the facilities and the clubs that say, listen, this is just about community. This is just about the vibes of what tennis is and what we mean. And, and, the authenticity of the sport and what we all believe in. But we can't even agree on what we're coaching at times. How are we supposed to agree on, I know this is turning into a different conversation, so, but do you get what I'm wrestling with here? So I'm, I'm, totally. I'm just, we gotta stop and I think we need to come back to this. I think you confused my brain. And I'm, I'm, I'm just, I don't even know my body's rocking. <laughs> I, need, I need to go eat a banana. I just, <laughs> <laughs> I'll Dennis Rogers, baby!